Okay, we are here and today we will talk about mostly how to journey into becoming a midwife. What does it look like to be a student or ways that it can look like and just different aspects of this journey and I'm Daniela and I've got two lovely women here with me today and we'll see where this conversation takes us. Ladies, you want to introduce yourself? <laughs> <laughs> Aloha, this is Jamie again. Happy to join you and be your co-host and sidekick. <laughs> yeah. Aloha, this is Ezene, and I am one of the student midwives here on island. I've been working with um, a CPM, Selena Green, for over three years now, and I just love this journey. I love this work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's quite a journey. Um, so I'm really grateful you guys are down to talk about this today because I remember once I made the commitment like yes I'm gonna dive into midwifery and I wanted to try to get insight of what does this student midwife journey look like I couldn't really find any resources yes we found the CNM way and then I just I couldn't find info for anything outside of the hospitals or just kind of the home setting and I was I was bombed, you know? <laughs> so I guess part of my interest in having this conversation with you ladies today is to have a resource out there for people to get some insight of what this journey looks like. And what I've realized is that a big part of it is actually that you get to carve out this journey for yourself. <laughs> I have to agree with you 100%. Like my journey into this you know, it actually began way before I expected it to begin. Uh, I didn't even know what was happening when it happened. My first birth that I experienced um, was when I was 15 years old. My mother gave birth to my baby sister, and I was there to support her in the hospital. And my mom has seven children. And that last baby, the seventh child, I had the opportunity to be at her labor and delivery. And being a 15 year old and being in the hospital and being with my mother, who was a woman who had experienced birth so many times was um, something I didn't, I, I didn't get the complete picture. So I remember being in the hospital with my mother and watching her labor. But then I, I remember her going and they were telling her, Oh, you're not ready to have this baby. Your baby's not coming right, right away. And my mother looked at the hospital staff and was like, no, I know my body. This baby's coming today. And she refused to leave the hospital. So they admitted her. And so they, this whole time she was in labor, she was kind of fighting to do it her way. And she kept saying, I know my body. I know my body. And I'm this 15-year-old girl, like, walking next to my mother in the hospital, like, uh, uh, you, you probably should listen to the doctors. You need to, you need to listen to the doctors not realizing what I was doing or what I was saying is completely contrary to this woman, my mother, who knew exactly what was happening. Literally got there in the morning, probably about eight in the morning, I remember. And the baby was born about two in the afternoon. But I remember walking with her and watching her squat and being completely embarrassed and mortified that my mom doesn't listen to anything the doctors are asking her to do. And I'm like, we're not even supposed to be here. They don't even want us here. And I just remembered, like, just watching this interaction and trying to figure out who was right, what was right, like, what even made sense. And um, 
well, my mother hit transition and I'm sitting here trying to support her. She, I put a cold Ross rag on her and she threw it at me. And my mother's friend had actually joined us at the hospital. And I remember her telling me, it's okay, this is normal, this is normal. And I was like offended because I'm like, I'm over here trying to help you, mommy. Why are you doing this? Not understanding the process of birth, completely ignorant to the process of birth. Well, lo and behold, she did end up having her baby and the, people, the hospital staff was just kind of like, whatever, you know. But I was so impressed that she was able to say, I'm not going to do it your way. I'm going to do it my way. And you just got to like get out of the way because this is what's going to happen. Like she didn't get bossed around. She didn't, you know, I just remember sitting there being like, I don't know what's happening, but it woke me up. And years, years later, like I still recount it like in my head, like, wow, how incredibly powerful my mother was to be able to go through this experience and um, not be bullied even though they tried to like tell her to do things certain ways. I just remember thinking, I am so impressed, even though I was 15 years old and completely mortified at the same time. Cause I'm like, she doesn't follow anybody's rules. Like my mother does not, that's just not how she, how she does things. And so that was kind of entertaining, but that, you know, that I attended one other birth with my best friend who was like superwoman to me, physically strong. And she did a whole labor in the hospital without epidural, anything. And I was like, wow, this is incredible. And then I went through my first labor and I was like, visualizing this water birth and everything was going to be perfect and da, da 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 and I didn't understand the process of birth I didn't understand that first time moms can have this whole experience that could last for days which was what my water was like I was a premature rupture of the membranes where my water broke early and contractions didn't start till the middle of the night it was in the middle of the snowstorm in upstate New York I went and got myself a burger and just cuddled down with my husband I'm like this baby has to come soon right so uh, the baby decided to wait and come two days later, you know, and I was like, by that point, I was so done. I didn't sleep. I was like, this burger wasn't holding me in the hospital. They give you an epidural and they tell you can't eat. And they tell you like all these different things. And then I wanted water birth in New York. You can do a water birth only if there's no meconium in the fluid. These are all the rules I didn't realize. So they broke my water. There was meth in the, in the fluid. So they re told me I couldn't go into the tub. I was so mad. I was like, that's all I wanted was a water birth. So all of these different things, like all these different experiences, I ended up having her on land, but it was an epidural. And I realized that that jaded me. I was like, with my next pregnancy, because I have five children, with my second pregnancy, the first thing I said when I got to the hospital was just give me an epidural. So I had gotten you to this pattern of, I can't do this. I know how painful it is because I experienced it this first time. Give me an epidural. So my second birth, I asked for an epidural. The third birth, I was like, let me try it. And I got to the hospital. I'm like, no, just give me an epidural. And I started this whole journey. I was just like, I keep refusing to go through my own power go and experience what my power really feels like and so when I finally decided that I was gonna have my fourth baby at home as soon as I found out I was pregnant I was like if I go to the hospital I know I'm gonna get an epidural it's this little lady right here Nanya <laughs> she's so proud of herself <laughs> she was the one she was my turning point baby when I realized that I had to stop I had to stop convincing myself that I didn't I couldn't do this without that, without that medicine, without the drugs, without the, you know, I wanted to go completely natural. I wanted to listen to my body. I wanted to trust my body and believe that my body was capable of doing it. And so I was like, I'm told my husband, I'm having this baby at home. I don't care who's, if you agree with me or not, I'm doing it this way. And so from the beginning of the pregnancy, I found myself a doula who said she would be at my birth. And 
you know, all of these things fell into place where like the day I was due, she told me she had some type of spiritual inspiration and she was like, I'm not supposed to catch your baby. And it blew my mind because I was like, wait, my whole plan was to birth with you. And now you're telling me that you won't be able to do this with me. And she was like, I will go with you to the hospital, which I didn't want to go to the hospital because I knew what I, my experiences were in the hospital. And I cried, I cried, I cried, I cried. And then I realized, she said, someone else is supposed to do this. Make some calls and I'll be there no matter where you are, even if you birth at home. And I didn't realize there were midwives. I didn't know there were home birth midwives that could come to your home and help you deliver your baby. Which is why you were just planning to like, you're going to birth at home and you want support. So I guess it's a doula. And uh, Right, right. I okay. had no clue that these, these women were, were out and about. So <laughs> yeah. I made two phone calls. Both phone calls, they suggested, call Selena, call the midwife. They gave me her name. And I was like, okay, I don't know who this woman is. I picked up the phone and I called her. And this is literally the day that I'm due, February 6th. And I called her and she, I was crying. I told her my story and she was like, I'll be there tomorrow. So she came. She was so in tune and so willing to listen to me and trust my body and help me regain trust in my body and help me work through the fears and the frustrations and the tears and the, the feeling of loss because my mother was never around for any of my births and all these different things that I didn't know were important to work through when you're expecting to deliver. I didn't realize all the emotions that are connected with birth. And so for me, that experience was so powerful. It gave me, this baby decided to hang out for a little while. So I waited about 17 days because I decided I'm going to do this at home. No matter, I'm not gonna get induced. So 17 days, after the estimated due date, she was delivered at home, which was the most powerful delivery I'd ever experienced. And I told my husband, we both looked at each other. You, you weren't born in this room, baby. You were born in a tub at our other apartment. She said, tell her I was born in this room, but she wasn't. She wasn't. <laughs> so that experience to me, that I looked at my so husband. Sweet. <laughs> I know she's like trying to remember. Um, I said, I looked at my husband, Brian, I was like, babe, you know, we have to do this again. Right. And he was like, yeah, he totally agreed. But let me tell you something. That was the first time I had ever said that after having a child, because every time I had a baby, I was like, I don't want to do that again. I don't want to have another birth. I don't want to do it. And after my home delivery, my thought was, I need to experience that again. Like, it was so empowering for me. I had so many wonderful, incredible women surrounding me, lifting me up and just like holding me in that power. And um, I did have the opportunity to do it again. And thankfully I had another incredible set of women that joined, which was also Selena, but Jamie was there too. So she caught my fifth baby. And uh, oh. that was so cool. <laughs> it was such a cool experience. We, we, and I loved it because, you know, I always do concurrent care. So I will see an OB in the hospital only because midwives did not have, they don't have the ability to order labs in the state of Hawaii. And so I figured, you know, might as well use that service so that I know what's going on with my body because I'm starting to learn how this all works. So I get my labs done. But I had great midwives at Kaiser as well. But I recognized that there was a lot of limitation in what they were 
able to share with me. So, you know, homeopathics, homeopathic remedies, like uh, essential oils and different things that will help to boost and support my body during birth and labor. They didn't have the knowledge of, but I gained a lot of that knowledge through my home birth and through my midwife and my, my, my CPM, my out of hospital midwife. And so um, it was always funny when, cause I realized all of my babies go past their due dates. And so once I went past my original due date with the, with the fifth baby and with the fourth baby, they would be start calling me everything okay um just let us know did you have the baby yet are you doing so i'm like don't worry i'll call you if i need you you know so like stop bugging me but i always knew my babies were, come, were gonna come when they were ready so that's always a, a funny funny thing for me because i'm like okay i've gotten gotten everything i've i need now i just need to trust that my body's gonna go into labor and everything's gonna be fine and so every time it has been and i'm grateful for that um but after the fifth baby was born, that was no, it was, it wasn't no longer, um, I need to do this again. It was, and this was funny because my husband went behind my back and talked to Selena, but he was like, my wife needs to be a midwife. <laughs> That's what he said to her. And I didn't realize yes. he started the conversation. I didn't realize he started it. Like I had mentioned it. I dropped it around to him every once in a while, but I'm very connected to my babies and the fact that the thought of leaving my children like overnight was like, well, if that's what midwives do. I didn't want to do it yet. But I knew there was a part of me that was like, this is so incredible. Every woman needs to have this opportunity. So my husband already, he planted the seed and he was like talking to her. He was like, she would really love, I, I would really love for you to like, even and never, never to force me to do anything, but just to say he knew who I was and he knew that I just needed that little bit of a push to get me on this journey. So, so you my needed midwife, the invitation, the invitation, that's what it was. Right. So I did get even the invitation about six when my baby was six months old. And when I got the invitation, I was like, Oh, wait a minute. Oh, this is, Oh, this is. And I realized that it's a once it was a once in a lifetime opportunity because when you're becoming a student midwife, when you're on this journey, a lot of times you're not going to find a lot of preceptors or mentors where you are at that are willing to be there, be your teacher, help you learn and not just learn the skills, but also learn the business and also learn um, the emotional support, you know, and also learn, there's so many things that go into being a midwife. There's like, uh, there's a whole bunch of lists, like just, being a mediator or learning how to um, use the, the herbs and the homeopathics and the oils. There's so many things that goes into it. So for me, um, once I started that journey, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't turn back. I cannot, I'm not turning back. And it's been such a beautiful blessing because I always, I'm a very spiritual person and I'm always like, God, if this is what I'm supposed to be doing, then you will always care for my babies if I'm gone. That's always been like my thing is like, if I leave my kids, because I have five kids, that's hard. And my littlest one was six months old at the time when I started. And my oldest was, I think she was 10. Yeah, like nine, 10 years old at the time. So five kids from the age of six months to nine. And I'm always like, if I'm leaving the house to go to a birth, I just pray that they will always be okay. Like they'll have meals be picked up from school just whatever they need because I'm very much like protective of my babies so I've never once experienced a time when I was gone at a birth for even multiple days 
and I've never felt like they weren't cared for. Like it's always been the timing for everything has always been perfect. I'm gonna knock on wood right now. (laughs) Would you would you say that that's something that is very integral to the journey as a mother who is becoming a midwife is having that support team, that back up, that back layer of support? I'm gonna say a hundred percent yes. Absolutely. Having a team that supports you and knows what you do and values what you do. So, I mean, my husband's a PhD. Uh, he's not a PhD. He's, he's getting his PhD at UH. And that's a lot of work for him. But I also live with my sister who is, um, she works, she's a behavioral therapist and she works with, with uh, kids with ther- who need, um, who have autism and need support. And so we all have really busy lives and really busy schedules, but we've all been able to balance and support each other on this journey. So like they know when I'm at a birth, like we are, are like, okay, you know, make sure that meals are ready and you know, just different things going on before COVID. It was like, make sure that somebody's around to pick up the kids from school. Um, make sure like if the kids need a little bit of mom- of emotional support but also when we are home and when we have downtime we spend a lot of time together with the family because ultimately there is lost time and so we make sure that that time together is special or that time together is um it's really filled with like a lot of family activities and things that we enjoy doing together but absolutely integral is is to the to the journey is having a support system that doesn't beat you up or, or, or like, you know, every once in a while in the beginning, my husband would text me from out of birth. It was a long birth. It was like, when are you coming home? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know when this lady's going to have her baby. Like, what? A, how am I supposed to tell you that? And, and I think just being able to let go of all of your expectations, because like, you'll look at somebody and be like, oh yeah, they're going to go fast. Yeah. This is going to be a great easy birth. And then you're there and you're like, on day two, like, what the frick is, you know, what's happening? Like, <laughs> what is up? Yeah. This, right. And that's when you get into that emotional work and all this other stuff. And you're just like, oh, right. you got to put all the pieces Or you got the back-to-back births. Or the back-to-back, <laughs> right? And you come home and you're so burnt out, so exhausted. And it's like the kids are like, oh, you're home. You're home. And all over you. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna have to take them for a little bit longer so I can sleep and catch up on my sleep, you know, which is for our functioning, or for, you know, for our brains to be high functioning, we need the sleep, you know, for our bodies to function and for supporting our women, we need the rest, we need, we need to be able to have that, that balance, a healthy life work balance, and so the journey is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> uh, it's definitely something that you have to be willing to let go of. I've, I've missed one birthday party so far, you know. In like three-ish, um, four-ish years. So it's not too bad. With five children. With That's five pretty children. good, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's because my girls are all born at the same, around the same week, on the same week in February. So we have like oh. one big birthday party in February. Perfect. So that, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, okay, that's one birthday party down for the three. And then, so, you know, right. it's no, kind I'm of so, fun. I'm so <laughs> thankful you brought up the um, family and support piece. And, and Jamie, I'd love to hear your experience, too, with your kiddos. And because I think about that a lot, you know, since I don't have kids. <laughs> and I and this re- journey is challenging enough as it is without kids. And I think about like, well, if I had to also 
juggle that piece like I would lose my marbles and then I think about you as an I think about all the women I know that walk this journey and juggle having kids and I'm like amazing like you guys are flipping amazing because <laughs> you know I had a bunny at the beginning of this journey and I had to give up my bunny because it was too much <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh. okay? <laughs> like they don't even want you around they don't even he doesn't even really like me you know he wanted me to feed it and, the bunny's looking like you like i can survive better without you <laughs> totally yeah so you know there's that but um the family support piece you know not necessarily making all that much money if any at all while you're apprenticing can be a big challenge that's kind of what it looks like most people aren't really making money especially at the beginning right where you're kind of observing yeah. um yeah i didn't talk about that part way. but yeah 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 but, <laughs> yeah but, being gone for days and and coming home with just depleted and ready for bed and that's it <laughs> uh, yes right, right that's your that's your payment right there yeah the gain that's right home. yeah absolutely and and that's all well that's so i always thought about it as a i always thought about it as a trade-off of like you know well i'm not paying for my education yeah and i'm not getting paid for my education and it so it it neutralizes it just zeroes out you know um mm -hmm. that was great super true like absolutely i have to agree with you because um the reward is the gaining of experience. It's the gaining of knowledge. It's the, this might come up again in my journey and I'm going to tuck this away because I've experienced this now and use it in the future. It's, you know, it's, there's so much that you gain something from every single birth, whether it's, you know, emotional, spiritual, mental wisdom, whatever, there's always an opportunity to learn from every birth. And so I do value that. Hey, I just had a lady who didn't inflate the bottom ring of her of the regular size birth pool in a box because she couldn't get her leg over it. And I was like, I've never seen anyone do that, but it was perfect. Even that, right? Oh, Ten years in, I was so like, Hey, st- teaching me simple, simple yep. hacks yep. that yep. make yep. that yep. work. <laughs> oh my god. Brilliant. Yeah, there's always a simple. That's the simple spot. <laughs> but yeah, it'll make such a big difference for the shorter mamas. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, no, That's I right. just brought it gotta up. get that pool up now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, save some time. Um, yeah. yeah, it just you know, if it weren't for the fact that I am you know blessed and privileged to have family to support me emotionally and also financially, like. I don't know, it would have been way rougher at the beginning. I remember I tried to juggle a restaurant job and like it just it didn't work. I tried juggling another scheduled job, you know, with like weekly gigs. That didn't work out. You know, it's like what job is gonna accept you when you're like, hey, I might have to leave at any moment. <laughs> like, yeah, right, you know? So that's yeah. that's like an interesting reality to have to figure out absolutely worth it push through you get creative and that's kind of the journey of becoming the midwife too right it's like you got to get creative and resourceful and think outside of the box and walking a journey that most people won't walk (laughs) so yeah we get to live unique lives in many regards and that's just kind of the start of it for sure yeah i'm letting go of a lot of expectations like the birthday parties and like you know i always tell people like i'm I'm not a good friend. I mean, I'm, I'm a good friend, 
but like, don't count on me to show up. Don't <laughs> count on me. I, 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 I have a shirt that I love to wear, and it says, unless I'm at a birth. Because mm-hmm. oh, that's, that's what I awesome. like, I'll be there unless I'm at a birth. Like, it's always <laughs> that questionable. Yeah. I might not show up, but I'll try my best. Mm-hmm. I love that. Like, this last I week, that. I know. This last week, I had five, I attended five births in, in a week. Ooh. And two of them, two of them were in one day. And I remember I was so grateful that I got a birth, a break, a birth, a break, and then a couple of more days of break. And then bam, I'm like, oh, we're getting settled down, whatever. You never like let go of the expectations, right? So one was like 42 weeks or 41 and like, you know, way past her due date. The other one was 38 weeks. So but they both decided to go into labor on the same day. I'm like, what? You know, I'm just getting like into this routine or like birth break, birth break. Oh, mm-hmm. don't get settled in Yeah, nah. Don't you even. Don't you even. Don't get comfortable. The kids are like, wait. <laughs> That's so true. People are like, oh, well, how many people do you have do around my due date? I'm like, don't even worry about it. It doesn't matter. None. I can have five people do one week. None of them will deliver that week. And I'll have three yep. people do all spread out. They'll yeah. deliver all on the same day. <laughs> doesn't matter. Like, what they, is know. Is, they know who they want. It's so there. true. <laughs> it's so true. It's true. They know exactly who they want there. Um, and when you're on so call, anyways. you're just on call. Might as well just stay that way. <laughs> so true. Um, but yeah, so I decided the journey that I'm on right now is the is the uh, <clears throat> the PEP program through NARM, and it's actually been a blessing as well because it gives me a lot of flexibility. I mean, I again I have the five kids, and so um, I really am grateful to be able to have the opportunity to have an apprenticeship and learn that way instead of having to leave island and go find a a a place to follow you know to follow around other midwives um because i know a lot of moms a lot of student midwives have had to do that relocate or um go to a brick and mortar location to study um but this journey for me has been like the perfect journey for me because i recognize that I have everything I need right now with my current preceptor. And um, I mean, I'm, I've finished, I've completed all my numbers as of right now. All I'm doing is getting ready to submit my last bit of paperwork. And then hopefully I can sit for my exams, my NARM exam within the next couple of months. Cause you know, they're taking a while to process paperwork. So, I mean, it's really worked out perfectly. It's really worked out. I'm sorry. I'm reading your messages. <laughs> It's really worked out perfectly for me um, currently living in Hawaii, knowing the way the legislation is set up. And um, yeah, I don't know. And we're working on that. We're working on that to to make it so it's a broader um, catch for midwives and not so narrow. Right. So let's break it down for the people that are listening and maybe are curious about this path and thinking about how their student midwife journey can look. So right there's the PEP pathway, which is the portfolio evaluation pathway or, or process. And that's where, right, you're doing primarily apprenticeship based and then you just fill out the requirements for NARM, the CPM pathway, um, without having to be registered with any school. So you got that option, and then you have the option where you are going through a school, whether it's online or in person, 
you can do purely apprentice based um, and there's like the traditional midwives and cultural and spiritual and community based right there's all these different kinds of midwives which honestly I didn't know when I started journeying into this I just thought oh well if you want to reclaim your power as women and people you step out of the hospital and you birth with midwives and a midwife is a midwife and that's just it I had no idea that there were so many nuances to all of that so it took me it wasn't until I got involved and met uh, the folks here that I realized oh there's different types of midwives <laughs> Like that was a huge notion to have even yeah uh, that had had to unravel um, yeah so I think a lot of people have to go through that even if you're birthing with a midwife like even for me not realizing that there were even midwives that delivered out I'm such a rule follower myself so I'm like well the rules say you've got to go to the hospital and you got to do it this way but then when I realized I don't want to do it that way I, the hospital tricks me every time like I believe I got to do it this way and I'm like when I finally realized. I don't have to do it that way. Oh wait, there's somebody, somebody who does this like on a regular basis comes. Oh, and there's then, a like different said, set of rules. There's a different. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wait, I like these rules better. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, and then getting into this journey and recognizing, okay, there are midwives in the hospital, but they don't know everything that the you know they know they have a different skill set, they have different wisdom, they but they still work for the doctors and you know, what are, what are their limitations? And, you know, I'm thinking, oh, this is kind of perfectly like natural to do it in the hospital with this midwife. But then I'm like, it's not as natural as I could get, you know, <laughs> like there's still more. So it's incredible because on this journey and as a midwife, as a student midwife, you will always say, you don't know everything. You're going to always learn. Like there's still more to learn. Like I've trained, I mean, you know, I've been doing this and I just watched my first epidemiotomy, but after doing over a hundred births and recognizing that most women don't need it and then actually seeing when it's necessary, I was like, oh, I see why. But at the same time, it's not necessary for the majority of women. The fact that I know that it happens so frequently in the hospital and I know that it's okay for that baby to crown a little bit so the tissues can stretch, right? And so you're learning these things and you're looking and you're thinking, what would they have done in the hospital setting? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's right. like so many things are like, would they even told her? Would they, would, it, would they, would it, you know, would that woman have consented? Did we, do you even have the opportunity to speak to her and say, this is what we need to do in order to support you, right? And are you okay with it? You know? Well, that's so, one of the hallmarks of what we do. I think this right. is perhaps something that's across the board of the various types of midwives, if I can even speak that broadly. Uh, but it's, it's woman-centered care. It's birthing person-centered care, right? That it's up to them. It's not about always or never. It's, you know, it's everything is circumstantial and everything is very different. What's perfectly right for one mom is certainly not remotely okay for another one. And that's right. the beauty of what we do. That's the art that kind of defines what we get to do. It's not protocols or formulas across the board, right? Because we're all so unique and we have different needs. And we get to support people in that way, not formulas. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, Ezene, you have shared with us, you know, from your birth 
first birth experience so what sparked your interest in this journey what it's been like walking it and now share with us please what the future holds for you what visions do you have for yourself for your community being a midwife what does that look like so a lot of what I, I envisioned for myself is to continue this this work as a midwife in the community. Um, I do look forward to attaining my CPM licensing, my CPM uh, certification this year. And then, well, now that Hawaii has the requirement for the licensing, I, I do hope to also have a LM, a license, become a licensed midwife um, as well in the state, mostly because I feel like it's it's important to um be able to feel like i'm not having to run away from the law <laughs> unfortunately i don't want to have to do that and i don't want my clients to the people that i work with in the future to feel like maybe i'm evading something or and so i mean there there is an there is a, a benefit for me in that if i i am become if i do become a licensed cpm that um, there may be a little bit more peace of mind in the, in the work that we're, I'm doing. Um, but for the community, I, I also think that it makes them feel a little bit, a little bit more, um, willing to trust. I'm a black woman. <laughs> I'm a black woman living in America and I have to be realistic about what, what my, what is expected or what, you know, what people see when they look at me. Do they know? Are these letters behind my name are going to make it make going to make a difference, or are they going to look at me and think I'm an uneducated whip, uh, midwife? When you think about the history of African American women and midwifery, you know, white patriarchal medical you know system really stripped them away of their dignity. Um, even though they had wisdom and knowledge in the midwifery journey, um, in supporting women in their communities. Um, and I really want to be able to be somebody that women in my community, women of colors particularly, can look to and feel comfortable with and feel like they can ask questions and, and uh, not fear and fear, not be fearful around. And, you know, I had a mother crying the other day telling us that she felt like she, she couldn't make a decision about not wanting to go into the hospital because she was past her due date and her doctor told her her baby was going to die because she was GBS positive. And she was feeling like she had no voice. She didn't have a choice. They told her to go to castle and they told her you need to go right now. But she called me crying, you know, and she's at the playground with her daughter. She's like, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, at this point, it is your decision. You always have the end to, you know, the ability to say, this is what you want to do. Even with me, even with a midwife, I want you to always feel confident enough to say, this is how I would like to see it, or this is how I, this is what I feel I need to do. Um, and so for me, I just want to have the opportunity to support women in and helping them understand that what they want to do is valid, is valid and is being heard. I want to be able to, just like somebody heard me, I want to be able to hear other women as well. I want them to feel like what they want to do in their birth is important if they want to chant, sing, hula, whatever they want to do during their labor, you know, because we've had all of that. We've had didgeridoos playing. We've had, you know, we've had like 
revival music playing at births. We've had, you know, chanting, olelo, all these beautiful ceremonial things happening in, in our home births that really calls upon the ancestors and the cultures. And it really helps these women feel like they're connected to something bigger and greater than them. So my, my goal is to just be that connector, to help women connect to that something that makes them even more greater. Because it's always within them. But how do we tap into that? How do we bring that out? You know, I know for me, my first home birth was that experience for me. It brought something. It made me feel like I could, there was nothing I couldn't do. I mean, within reason, obviously. But I just felt so incredibly empowered. And I never had that sensation in my life before. And I recognize that for me, I want to go forward helping women feel that same way. Like I can overcome hard things. I can do this. I can do it within my boundaries, within my, my, um, my sphere of influence. I, I am great. I can do this, you know? So for me, my, my journey is far from being done, but um, I recognize that also part of this journey involves having connections or, or making connections and with with the hospital as well, because sometimes it is important to have uh, the hospital backup support. Um, when we do have to transfer, I'd like to be able to walk into that the hospital with the mother and say, "Hey, she needs help," and that she can go into that environment, a different, completely different environment, and still feel powerful and still feel like I can do this the way I need to do it, but I just need myself and my baby to be as safe as possible. And right now, this safety will be best achieved within the hospital setting. But not go into the hospital and be criticized. Like we've heard this and like my partner that I work with had one transfer and the nurses that didn't realize she was with the patient that we transferred um, had made a comment she was trying to do a home birth. I can't believe she was trying to do that. And it was overheard. So, you know, why? Why is that necessary? Why are you trying to tell that woman she can't do that? Why does it even matter to you? Those were Yeah, there's choices. plenty of people who don't get prenatal care at all and walk into a birth, you know, or walk into a hospital. So what's the difference? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, there is a difference. There's a great difference, but I'm just yeah. saying that like <laughs> this person has had some care. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, yeah. That's, that's tough. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's Definitely. great. I think it's a great vision to have and to share other folks experiences and to, to walk the, 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 the line of those who've walked before us and know that we're going to, possibly be judged and persecuted but stand tall in our truth and on our integrity and uh, and it's a it's a great vision to have and you know we're, we midwives are um, such an important part of our community and even though a small small amount of people are choosing to have community-based births um, that small small community of them is that we have a loud voice and and there's a lot of power in there. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. Great power. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. No, yeah. I really appreciate this community as well. Like, I think that even though we have so many different like types of midwives, the traditional naturopaths, the spiritual midwives, the CPMs, we, I think the way we all connect with one another is such a beautiful thing. It's a, it's a great community to be a part of, I think, you know, and that's, that's like people always say there's a midwife. That's true. I think it's unique. Yep. And that's a big driving force for this podcast series. And our presence here together this evening is to highlight each other's diverse voices and uplift each other amongst our diversity and celebrate it as a power and not a weakness or something that needs to be rectified. It's not a problem. It's actually something magnificent and something special we have going on in Hawaii when we can look around the world and see that that diversity has been gradually um, like pasteurized or homogenized or you know just try to be sterilized into just one version of midwifery and we, we have a big diversity here and so that's why we're here to uplift each other and thank you so much Azanae for sharing your time and your voice with us and You're your welcome. experiences um, yeah you're very welcome yeah glad to hear it all all right awesome well okay. thank you ladies I so good chatting all. with you guys you too okay all right Aloha. Thank you so much. Look forward You're to welcome. seeing you out and about. <laughs> Great. All right. Okay. Aloha. Good night. Bye. Aloha.